Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Travel and Tourism Podcast, my first season. My guest today worked for Club Med from 1979 to 2001. If you're not good at math, folks, that's 22 years. And he still went back for the odd season to help out up until 2012. Before Club Med, he was in the Mexican Navy and was a combat diver when he left. He is also a chef and studied kitchen theory and practice in Spain. In Club Med, he did everything from traffic, archery, water ski, to a million and zillion other things. We're not going to condense a career like his to just one hour, so hopefully he will agree to come back for part two in the near future. I had the supreme pleasure of working with this fine young man in Club Med Columbus Isle in 1996, where he taught me how to do the brouette in the water ski show. I had never seen the brouette, didn't know what the brouette was, but he is the one who taught me. Who else could I be talking about? other than the one and only Jose Francisco Elizalde Tessier. Who's that? Well, you probably know him better by one name. Please help me welcome to my first season, the one and only Pancho. Hey, Pancho, how are you, sir? Very nice. Thanks, Greg. Well, thank you. You know, you're quite the legend in Club Med. So I was very happy when I reached out to you and you you agreed to come on to share the first part of your story with us. So thank you for that. Let's go ahead. Are you ready? Are you ready to light the fire? Sure. All right. So 79, I see your first season. Okay. is Playa Blanca. You were assistant traffic, but before that, so how did you, how'd you find out about Club Med? Like where I know there are a lot in Mexico, but was there an ad that you saw? What happened? No, I had a friend that uh, my day off because I was working in a restaurant in Mexico City this friend of mine, he came my day off and said, can you go with me? I'm going to go to the office of in Mexico City of, of Club Mediterrane. I say, well, sure. He said, but I don't have a car. Can you give me a lift? And I say, sure, I take you. So I took my friend and we went into the office and there was a lady in charge of uh, human resources, Christine Chabot. And Christine Chabot, there were a lot of people there sitting, waiting to be interviewed by her and gave us our a paper to fill out, you know, to get an interview. So she gave me the paper and said, no, thank you. I just came with my friend. And, and she said, no, 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 go ahead. Fill the, fill the thing and uh, you wait for me. So she interviewed everybody and I was the last one. And I stood up, I was ready to leave with my friend. And she said, no, 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 no. Come here, sit down. I'm going to interview you. So she started talking to me in Spanish. Then she switched to English. And then she, she switched to French. And I followed. And she was very excited and said, listen, I need somebody like you. You leave tomorrow to Playa Blanca. I say, excuse me. I already have a job. I'm a cook in restaurant, whatever. I cannot quit my job and just leave like that, you know. And then uh, it, this was Wednesday, right? Then we left and she, she told me, if you decide to take the decision and work for us, give me a call. So I left with my friend, but in my job, I was having a lot of problems with the unionized people of the restaurant. There was a very bad ambience, very 
terrible ambience. Then I talked to my mother and said, you know what? This happened to me today. And she said, how long does Club Mediterranean want you to, to work for them? Well, normally they told me a season is six months. And my mom says, listen, quit, though, quit that job of yours that is terrible ambience. Go to Club Mediterranean and try. If after six months you don't like it, that's it. You get out of that and look for another job. And then it happened that I stayed for 22 years. Okay. Yeah, well, yeah. I stayed for 10, but yeah, if I could have, I would have stayed for 22. But let me ask you, <laughs> if, if you were already working as a chef in a restaurant, I mean, did they need someone so bad in Playa that they said, you know, Pancho, you're going to be assistant traffic? Like, did you, did you want to do traffic? Would you have rather been in the kitchen? I didn't know what the hell was traffic. Okay. And uh, I didn't know at all, not at all. But what they needed was somebody that can speak Spanish, English, and French fluently. Let's well, say that the, lang the languages was that what they needed. Okay, but where did you learn French? Did you learn it in school? I learned it a little bit at home and a little bit, well, and at school, at school and at home. Okay. So you're walking in. So you walk into Playa Blanca. You probably don't know it's a big singles village, I'm guessing, right? At that point. I, I didn't know anything about Club Med, nothing at all. Okay. So what what do uh, you what, what do you remember uh, about that first week? I, I, first I only time? knew I only knew it was a hotel. Okay. They say Club Mediterranean, yeah, club, but it's a hotel or what? Yeah, yeah. It's kind of a hotel. And I already worked in hotels before as, okay. as, a, as, a, as a chef, right? So I say, well, I go there and I see what, what is that about? Okay. So, so I, I, show, I show up to Playa Blanca and I, went, I came out of the bus and I saw all the geos with their pareos, you know, greeting the GMs and everybody coming out of the bus from the airport. I saw all this ambience, all these nice people, and I say, this is for me. I like this. Now, when you say assistant traffic, were you the one that had to go to uh, Puerto Vallarta every week and do the six hours on the road? Was that you? Yes. Yes, I, I will do. Saturday, I will go to Manzanillo Airport, and Sunday, I will go to Puerto Vallarta Airport. Oh, God. Yeah, Manzanillo was about an hour, right? I used to do that one, but... Uh, the yeah, big one. The big normally, one. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The, no, Puerto Vallarta was was a pain in the neck. <laughs> yeah. That, it, that was, was a, it was a big drive. Yeah, it's not a straight road either, if I recall, right? <laughs> Lots of wind, <laughs> winding turns. And I heard at night you have to watch out for, for cows sleep on the road because the road is uh is hot, right? So now you have to be careful of the of the cow. Yeah, the, it, it was the bus driver. It was dangerous. Yeah. It was dangerous. Yes, yes, yes. It was a little dangerous. You, I, do you know something about cars? A little, a little bit. <laughs> we, 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 the, the traffic office, we had a Lebaron, a Chrysler oh, Lebaron. How did that get there? Okay. I don't know. Okay. That was the, the traffic office car, Lebaron. We had, it was a very nice car. Yeah, uh, very, very, very potent, but very good motor. 
very right. good breaks. And your chief of village was Philippe Labat. Is that right? Philippe Labat. Philippe Labat. I, I came in. Listen, it was very weird because they sent me there for three months because in three months that team was supposed to leave and then the next team will show up. But I think they sent me three months in advance so they can train me as an assistant traffic. My direct chef, my boss, was an Australian guy called Brian. He was in charge of traffic. So when I came in, he, he, he explained me the hours of the, the office was opening and closing and the, the easy things I got to do. So he said, you know how to drive? Yes, I know how to drive. You have a Mexican license? Yes, I do. Well, you're going to drive with me. We're going to go Saturday to Manzanillo. And Sunday we go to Puerto Vallarta. And you're going to be the, the chauffeur. Okay, boss, let's do that. We had an assistant, a, a, a secretary that was a American-Japanese girl very beautiful girl that was the girlfriend of the chief of sports. Chief of sports was a guy called Richard from England. It sounds pretty international so far, your team, right? No, no. This was unbelievably international. And the incredible thing was that at night, when everybody show at the bar, you know, you have the, the people that came from Morocco the people that came from Africa, they will show up dressed with their clothes that they use at home. They they were not dressed like like you and me, that jeans and t-shirt and whatever. No, 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 no. These people would come with very nice, typical dresses of their countries at night. So imagine the GM seeing all these different kind of people showing up at seven at the bar, say, what the hell is going on here? You know, you have the people from Senegal, from Ivory Coast, you know. The regular people that we were dressed normally, you know, we were with the Mexicans, the Canadians, the Americans, right? But everybody else, the French, some of the French were, because it was very cool to be dressed as, Club Mediterranean, they were dressed as eh, some nights with a pareo eh, or a jellaba. You know what a jellaba is? No. Is this kind of uh, dress tunic from Morocco, you know, from the North African countries, the jellaba. Our chief of the village every night, he had a, a jellaba of different colors, you know. There was not like in our time. There, there were, there were not a, a dress code like in our later time. Everybody was free to dress as you like to be dressed. So after Playa, Playa, you do about seventy-nine to eighty. You go to La Caravelle. So you go from assistant traffic to archery Joe. And now is that because you wanted to try something new? You wanted to be on the sports team? No, no. This happened because. Christine Chabot, the girl in the Mexico office, the recruiter, she 
made some research about myself and she find out that I used to do archery. I did archery very seriously in Mexico. I, I won Mexico City Games, the national games. I was uh, for a while in the Olympic team to go to Munich, you know, in archery. And she found out that and she, they, she was called to find out a geo that can do archery. So she called me and she said, I need somebody to do archery in Caravel. Can you do that? And I say, yes, why not? Let's try it. And she sent me to Caravel because in Caravel, normally the archery geos, they used to do yoga and archery. But the, the person in charge of yoga there was a, a, a big master of yoga from Club Med, Jean Rousseau, and uh, he didn't like to do archery. So they always called somebody to do the archery so he can do the yoga with no problem. So I went because of Christine Chabot asked me to. I went to do archery at, to the Caravel. I, th I think, Pancho, you might be the most overqualified archery geo in the history of Club Med. Do you know this? <laughs> well, I'm going I to tell you what happened. Okay. What happened is when when I fin finished all this Carabell thing, I was sent to Paris, right? And in Paris, they sent me to the uh, village where they form a lot of the geos. I was sent to Pompadour. Pompadour had golf, tennis, horseback riding, and archery. But the archery in Pompadour was a high-level stuff. It was already competition, kind of, right? They sent me there, you know what to do? To teach the new geos archery. So I got a bunch of geos, or young men and women, and I was the one teaching the practical part of archery because they had a guy that taught the theory of archery to the new geos that were going to teach archery in the different villages. One guy taught theory and you taught the practical? Right, right. I, I will teach the geos to, this well, describe the bow, the arrow, wah, wah, wah. And then I put them to shoot what we call is instinctive shooting, right? Normally, like, give you the bow and the arrow, and I say, okay, try to shoot to, to, the, to the target, right? Like an Indian, like, uh, like that. With your instinct, just take the bow and this and this, and boom. We do certain things before, right? Because we got to find out your direct eye. For shooting any weapon, you have to know which eye of the two is the one directing, and that, that is given by your brain. It's the same like when you go surfing or when you go skiing in a slalom ski, you have to know which foot goes forward, right? Yep. So we got to find out the same with the eyes. So somebody is very weird because probably you're right-handed, but your, your direct eye is the left one. So you have to use a left-handed bow 
or your right eye, you're, you're a lefty and your right eye is the directing one. So you have to use a right-handed bow, even if you're a lefty. It's, it's weird, but it's your brain that tells you that. When you want to know, for example, uh, how are you going to stand up in a surfboard? They put you with your feet together, making a cross with your arms, and they push you in the back, and you will step forward. And then if you step forward with your left foot, you're normal. If you step forward with your right, right leg, you're a, a, how do you call it, a goofy, right? It's the same with uh, with archery, or or a pistol or a rifle. Same thing. And because you did the formation of uh, of archery for the geos in Pompadour, is that why? And I think you're the only only geo that did the opening of Extapa, 1981, with Chef de Village Jérôme Clavier. Is that why you were sent to Extapa? Because it was the first time they were opening, and they wanted the right. best of the best there. Yeah, when I went there, when I, I'm going back a little bit to Caravel. In Caravel, the, the field of archery was lost at the end of the village. Nobody showed up. So I talked to the chef de village and to the chief sports, and we made an archery field just behind the water activities. There was a field there, and we put the archery there. So everybody will see where it was, and everybody showed up, right? So after I finished... With Carvel, they sent me to Ixtapa that was still, let's say, in construction. So they showed me the area, and I built the archery field for Ixtapa. Just, let's say, one month before the opening, I, I was living there with the maintenance team. That's it. How many targets did you have at the beginning at the opening? Uh, we had eight targets. So what's it like? Like, you know, everyone I talk to works at Extapa. What, well, what's it like being at the, at the opening of Extapa in 81? Was it crazy? It was uh, a little, a little bit crazy, especially the chiefs of service. Everybody wants to show that they are so good and they are, you know, Everybody was a little bit nervous and whatever. And we have a chef de sport. It was Christian Maillet that later became a chef de village. But he was basically a snow ski instructor. But in, in the, let's say, in the summers, in the, right? Those ski instructors were sent to the villages to the sun, so he was the chief of sports, and uh, we have a very good team, very good sports team, right? But then they say, ah, the archery geo, ah, he's a Mexican. Mm, you know, everybody thought that archery was like, uh, I don't know, a second, third kind of sport, right? Because every village had a sport that was famous for, right? This was a new village. And what they tried to push in this new village of Ixtapa was sailing and windsurf. Okay. And was there a lot of wind there for that? Because I I, th I thought in, uh, in later seasons, the wind wasn't so great at certain times of year, right? 
No, it 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 was. Um, let's say it was in a certain times of the year. It was a very good and constant wind, especially that they say Club Med was always uh, uh, important because they have sports that are not easy to find out somewhere else. And the GMs, they were very happy to try those new sports like windsurf, like sailing, you know, not everybody. A, a guy from Oklahoma or I don't know, in the Middle West, where the hell is going to, where, uh, excuse me, where he is going to go sailing? So he was in Ixtapa and he, he learned how to sail. And those winds were very, very good for beginners. Some days it was very, very strong. But yeah, it was basically, I don't know if you know about the winds. Oh, yeah. It was like about force three, force four, you know, constant. In, it was very good for, for learning how to sail. And how long did you spend at Ixtapa? Six months? I did six months in Ixtapa, right? But I'm going to go back to Caravel. In oh, Caravel, no. I was taught how to sail and how to windsurf. But not only that, how to repair the boats, how to repair the sails, how to do the knots. Blah, blah, blah. So when I finished my season in Caravel, I was sent to do an interim in Buccaneers as a sailing instructor for about a month. And I came back to Caravel and then to Ixtapa. Okay. So you had you learned uh, you learned all these skills in, in Club Med then, right? Exactly. The, the important thing here is that the geos in that time, they were forming you all the time. You know, they were teach you. They would say, you know how to, do you know how to windsurf? No. Well, come tomorrow at that time, I'm going to teach you how. Right? And after that, at the end of the day, let's say five o'clock, they say, come here. I'm going to teach you how to undo and do a sailing, a sail for windsurfing. I'm going to teach you how to do the knots, how to do this, how to do that, right? Same in sailing, the same story. Okay. Now, after the opening of Extapa, I believe you leave the American zone for the first time. They send you to Tunisia, right? Jerba Ladus? No, the, the, the first time I leave, yes, I went to Tunisia as an archery geo. Yes. But you left the, uh, this is your first time leaving the American zone is what I mean. Like now you're going overseas, right? So you, you went, right, right. you've been in Playa, Caravelle, Ixtapa. So now you get to go to Gerba Ladus with Jean Viviani and you teach archery there as well, correct? Correct, correct. What did and, you think uh, of Jean, what did you think of that? What that village, was it a whole new experience for you? Completely, completely. Imagine there were no, uh, it, it was probably, an American geo or a Canadian geo, but everybody else was European or Tunisian or from Turkey or from Greece, <laughs> from Africa. 
it, it was completely a change for me, completely another story, a new culture. Do you have any anecdotes or stories from that season? Well, the, the, the thing is that we had a lot of uh, European GMs, right? Completely different of the mentality of the American zone GM, right? These GMs were used to uh, do the sports, for example, and they will have a card. So every time they achieve something new, you have to sign and stamp their cards. You was you were you were going into different levels of sailing and different levels of uh, uh, windsurfing, different levels of water ski, right? It was very very structured that kind of stuff. So I got to do the same thing in archery. I have a, a guy that came as a beginner and uh, they gave us cards. So I, I write my name as instructor and I write his name or her name as, as a beginner archery. And they have to pass certain levels to go to the next level of the sport. And they were a lot into that, you know? Okay. Well, I am curious about, you know, after after Jerba, because not many people have worked in this village. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Is it Scanis? Scanis uh, was not far from Jerba, okay. but this was the summer, summer, right? With the same chef de village, the same team. We just moved from Jerba to Scanis, right? Okay. And uh, the level was different, let's say. Jerba was like four-star hotel, and Scanis was like a two-star hotel. Okay, was a it, little. Was it a hut village? Yeah, mm, not really. It, it, it was uh, half and half. Let's say it has depending on the weeks, right? But let's say the people that show up in Scanis was the European. Uh, workers from factories, from offices, from right, because those uh, the weeks in those clubs was very cheap, all included. Anyway, the food was unbelievable. Huh? The food was great, but let's say the accommodations were not as good as Jerba. Right, was a little bit. It was a cheaper village. Yeah, but it's probably it's probably like there's so much to do. You shouldn't be in your room anyway, type of thing, right? See, right, right, exactly. You were always out on the activities and da 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 da. Right, right, right. And okay. the beaches in the beaches in Tunisia, they are not like like the beaches in Mexico. Let's say the 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 sand is not as nice. The water is cold. You know. Oh, this is their summer, right? Even in the summer, the the water some days were very was very very cold. Well, you mentioned the cold. Hero, yeah, that the hero. Yeah. No, I was going to say you Go mentioned ahead. you mentioned cold, but for some reason, after you know being in the sun for many years, you decide to go to Saint Moritz for some reason and play in the snow. 
Uh, was this your idea? Did you want to go see snow? No, the the chef de village, the chef de village, um, uh, he knew uh, I was a, a chef, a cook. So he proposed me to go to the snow as responsable chalet d'altitude. You know, the, they have these chalets up in the mountain where the people go and have lunch at noon. And somebody has to take care of that, right? So I, I, I was in St. Moritz and uh, at the Russell Lake Hotel with Jan Viviani and all the team. And I, in the beginning, I was in charge of Corbiglia because the, the guy in charge of that place didn't show up in time. So I stayed, I stayed there for a month and they, they sent me to the end of the valley to another chalet called Sils Maria. But I was like the host of the chalet. I had in charge, I have a, a, a kitchen team and I have a waiter team that took care of, we all work putting the tables on, we all work helping the chef that was cooking for everybody. It, it, it was very, very demanding job. Did you get any time to ski? Yes, yes, because we got there. I will start my day at five in the morning, bring the food all the way up to the chalet, right? With the waiters and with the, the, the chef, and we will set up the restaurant. And the chef will start cooking and stuff, right? And uh, me, I take care of doing the, the hot wine and the, and the hot soup for the people when they arrive. They arrive about 11.30, something like that. But at 2.30 or something, I was done. So from 2.30 to 5, I went skiing. And are you goofy or regular foot? No, in that time we used two skis. <laughs> oh, okay, there's no snowboard. We, we yet. Did, there was no no snowboard yet. <laughs> we have two skis, right, right, right. Okay. So I, I showed up. I showed up, and I I knew how to water ski, but I didn't know how to snow ski. But in Mexico, believe it or not, we had skating rinks, ice skating rinks. When I was a kid. In my school, Pepsi Cola came and invited us to make a team to play ice hockey. So I knew how to ice skate already. So I played ice hockey when I was like 12 years old. So I know how to skate in the in in ice, and I know how to water ski with two skis in in the water. And a girl, uh, one of the instructors, she asked me one day in the, in the in the chalet, say, do you know how to snow ski? And I say, no, 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 I, I don't. Well, meet me behind the hotel at this time, and I will teach you some stuff. So this girl taught me, one of the ski instructors, taught me how to ski behind the hotel with two skis. Okay, so you know how to then, let, me, let, let me get this straight, Pancho. You know how to play hockey, uh, you know how to ski and water ski. I think we're going to make you an honorary Canadian. What do you think about that? 
<laughs> okay, why not? <laughs> well, yeah, okay. So you know, yes. In in some villages, in some villages, with the Canadians, we used to do like after the show, we used to do a GMGO hockey game with the uh, with those fluorescent balls. Remember? Yeah. Yeah. Running, running, no, no skating. Running. Yeah. We used to do that with the Canadian geos. We, we will, we will do a game, GOGM, you know. Yeah. And it was a lot of fun. Okay. Well, you you just you didn't just open the Extapa. You opened a few villages, so you're probably the only geo. Yes. yes. Also, that yes. opened. Uh, you were at the opening of Punta Cana in 1983 with Chef de Village Gerard Barreau. Uh, I, I think. It, I think. I think it was 1982. Okay, okay, but you said it was there. definitely it was definitely the opening of Punta Cana, right? Right, right. And, and they put you NX NX Resto this time. So yeah, because um... I came, I I came from from the Chalet altitude. Uh, after some Moritz, I went to to the. It was summer. I think it was summer '83. You're right. Summer '83 with Gerard Baru. And I was in charge of La Española, uh, that was the annex restaurant. It was the same thing as the Chalet Altitude, but now in on the beach. That's right. <laughs> and, and, uh, I, I had my I had my chef and I had my my waiters, and uh, we opened exclusively at night, from eight at night till the nine thirty ten when the show started. And were you there before the village opened, like like Ixtapa? Like, were you living with yes. the maintenance? Okay. Yes, yes, yes. I came in, I don't know, a month before. The village was already set up very nicely, but then everything started showing up. And one of the things that showed up was the water ski boat. There were two water ski boats and the water ski team. There was an American guy, John Ratcliffe. And the chief of Warski was Jacques Charlotte from Ile Maurice. And uh, they were the two guys in charge of the Warski, set up the Warski, right? They got to build a raft to put the raft in the ocean. They got to put the motor on, on the boat, blah, 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 blah. All that kind of stuff. And I have a lot of time because I set up my restaurant and I will go work till. 7.30 or 8. So all day long, I was free to do whatever, right? And then the chef de village told me, why don't you go and help the guys on the sports team? Because you were a sports team guy, right? So I go and help the guys on the water ski, help the guys on the windsurf, help the guys on the sailing, you know, just to set up the whole the whole thing. Did they only do water ski in the summer? Because as you know, uh, winter, the ocean gets pretty rough for water ski, right? Right. Right. But yeah, but no, no, no. In that time, I don't know. You know Punta Cana? Yes. Yes. Well, do you remember where is the Annex restaurant? Yes. After the Annex restaurant was the water ski place. Oh, okay. And so 
And after that, there was a section where there were the, all the boats for snorkeling. They have about six boats to go snorkeling. But then in that lane, in that lane, there were there was a like a lane, right? At left, you will have the it's a the reef, the coral reef, and at right you will have beach. And it was a lane, and there the water was flat as a mirror. Okay. We used to to ski there, but you know what happened there? Somebody in the opening decided that they were going to blow with dynamite part of the reef so boats can come in the club, yachts or clubs or whatever. Oh, okay. They made a big mistake because what happened with that, they changed the currents. That's right. And with the year with the years, that lane where we used to water ski, it was full with sand and forget it. When it was filled with sand, the water ski was over. Okay. So that's the reason why there's no water ski there anymore. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Got it. So but in that time, in that time was unbelievable. That lane was beautiful. You can you can uh, barefoot there. Oh, really? Wow. Okay. So uh, after Punta, you go to Magic Isle, Haiti. It wasn't the opening. You do one after that. But this time you go to Magic Isle in 80, 83, 84, Jean Viviani. Uh, yes. Who you worked Again, with. Again. Yeah, geo multitask. So this time he said, yeah, Pancho, the, Pancho, you're going to do everything, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. The, the, this was a big problem because... I will go to Paris, you know, after Punta Cana, you go to Paris. And in Paris, you find out that there is three chiefs of the village that want you on their team. Say, what I'm going to do, my God? Who I'm going to tell no? These, that, whatever. And then I got the three chiefs of the village together. And I say, you want me to go to your village? Yes. You want me to go to your village? Yes. You want me to go to your village? Yes. And I say, well, that's very simple. I cannot say no to anybody of you. I gave them a coin to any oh, all the three guys. Oh, I, I, I was hoping you're going you're to let them box for it, Pancho. That would have been a better story. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I gave them a coin and say, flip the coin. And the guy that gets the different, the different one, mm -hmm. you know, so two guys... They have tails, and the other one have heads. And I went with the guy with heads that was Jan Viviani. So I, that's why remember, I show up to Haiti. Do you remember? <laughs> do you remember who the two other chiefs were? The other chief was Gerard Baru, okay. and the other chief was, uh, I think, Jerome Clavier. Okay, I, I already worked with him before. Yeah, yeah, next up. Uh, Okay, so so Magic Isle, so you go geo multitask. So because you know how to do everything now, they said, you know what, we're gonna make yeah, a new position. My, okay. My my contract was that we call now we call now snorkeling, but at that time was not snorkeling, was free dive and picnic. Oh yeah. That okay. was my my contract, right? But Jan Viviani knew that 
I I had done the the restaurant on, on the snow and the restaurant in Punta Cana. So he put me in the restaurant. There were two annex restaurants in Haiti, the south and the north, and the north was exclusively seafood. So he put me in charge of that that restaurant. But in the morning, I will teach free diving in the pool, take the boat out for the people that go snorkeling, right? Came back and drive the water ski boat for an hour, then go help the animator. And then after we finish with the animator at noon, I will go in the restaurant table by table to invite the people to go to my annex restaurant at night. You had to help so, the animator too? Yes. Okay. Yeah, the animator was the animator was a first season guy. Oh boy. Okay. Yes, so oh, I, I, I helped him. Okay. Okay, got it. Uh, we did we did very well, huh? We did very well. Well, I, I'm starting to see you don't need a geo team, you just need one pancho and that's it, right? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what happened yeah. in, in those in those teams? It was unbelievable because you will get any geo. Say, for example, we used to have a guy that was the the maître nageur, the guy that teach swimming, right? Mm-hmm. Or the chef the the chef of sports, right? The chief of sports was Jean Pierre Fanquin, that became later a chief a chief of the village. But that guy, he was a black belt second dan judo. He spoke. English, French, German, Italian, you know, and he was one of the main performers in the shows. So everybody was multitask. I was not the only one. Okay, I see. Okay, that's how it was back they then. Were, right? They were. They were. These teams were like incredible multitask geos. Say, the guy of the tennis got injured. No problem. Send the maître nageur to the tennis and teach the morning lessons, right? He will go and teach tennis. No problem. That that was the kind of geos that we, we used to be in that time. Oh, that's incredible. And I see that, you know, you returned to Mexico for the first time since opening Extapa. They say, Pancho, we're opening up another village in Mexico. Would you like to go open Sonora Bay in 84? And you said, yes. Yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> but I'm going to, I'm going to go back to Punta Cana. Okay. Uh, Jacques, Jacques Charlotte, when I helped them open the water ski school in Punta Cana, this guy taught me everything. They taught me mechanics. They they taught me how to do repair of fiberglass, how to do the, the, the ropes, you know. And on top of that, how to ski. I used to ski with two skis like any tourist. But they taught me how to do two skis and a lot of tricks in two skis. They taught me how to do trick skiing. And they after taught me how to do one ski. And they taught me how to do barefoot. And at the end of the story, Jacques Charlotte goes back to Paris and he tells Marc Bernard that was in charge of sending all the geos of Warski all over the villages in, in Club Med for the Warski. He tells Marc Bernard, Pancho, the guy in charge of the Anna restaurant, he's ready to be a Warski geo. 
And that's it, man. They, they call me from Paris and they say, Pancho, you're going to go as a Warski Geo to do the opening of Sonora Bay. Was Chef de Village Michel Proriol? Right, right. And we had a lot of Canadians there, man. A lot of Canadian geos. Okay, that's good. Uh, from Montreal as well? Montreal, yes. Okay, so compared to opening Extapa, opening Punta Cana, opening Sonora Bay, was it the same uh, kind of opening? Less problems, more problems? Yes, yes, we went there about two months in advance because we had in that time three boats to set up and we have to build, construct the ramp to get the boats into the lagoon. There is a lagoon, I don't know if you know Sonora Bay. There was a lagoon yes. between the village and, and the beach. There was a lagoon. So we have to build the ramp. We got to put the motors. We, they send us super nice motors. 150s Mercury put in these little boats that the, they were Mexican-made. They were a little bit fragile. They were the copy of Almar Seaway boats they used to, to have in the European villages. It was the Mexican copy, but it, they were not as strong. So we find out that with the guy in charge of the water ski team, it was a, a guy from Switzerland. We have to reinforce the boats because they will break with that kind of motor so strong that we put on those boats. But that was basically what we do. Every everybody on the on the sports team, they gotta build their own setup, right? It was very funny because we had three American geos that came to the team. The chief of maintenance showed up and say, "Listen, guys, here is here is the sand, here is the cement, whatever." And you got to do the ramp that goes into the lagoon. And I say, well, listen, I I, I don't know anything about ma masonry. They know it's not, not difficult. I'm going to send you a guy who's going to teach you how to do this. So they send a guy and he tells us how to do the mix for the cement and whatever. We we flatten the the soil and all that stuff. We were We were working on the sun with about 45 Celsius degrees, right? It was very hot. And it were in the middle of the sun, making the ramp to go to, to the lagoon. I don't so know anything about masonry either. <laughs> uh, they sent other guys, right? Another American guys. And the first thing the chief of sports told them it was Francois, I don't remember his name, but very nice guy. He told him, remember that your contract says you are polyvalent. You're polyvalent. We're going to ask you to do anything, you know, sweep, build, you know, do electricity, do carpentry, feed do the, the horse, motors, feed the horse, feed the horses, feed, feed the horses, whatever, <laughs> you know. We're going to ask you to do a lot of stuff, carry the baggage of the GMs to the rooms, you know, the whole story. So these guys, they came in with a different attitude 
and they were having fun building the ramp, you know? They have fun doing that kind of stuff. They never did something like that, you know? And it, it was a lot of fun, and there was a lot of learning why we have to do blah, 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 this, that, that, whatever. In that time, they will send a mechanic from Paris to take care of the boats. And this guy was very good because he will teach us what to do, how to put on the motor and the boat, blah, 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 blah. It was, it was a lot of learning in the time. I don't know. Now it's different. So Club Med wasn't using Boston Whalers yet? Is that what you're saying? No, no. We, we used a copy of a boat called the Almar Sea Ray. If you check the villages like Corfu or Elios, you will see those boats, right? Then after in the American in the European zone, they breed, they 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 quit the um, the contract with Almar Sea Ray. Almar Sea Ray was a company that was half Italian, half Belgian, and they built these super nice boats. They made boats made of Kevlar in France later, like in the late 70s, all the 80s, we have other boats that were built in France. But were the copies, same thing of the Almar Sea Ray. Okay, Pancho, as I say, the hour goes very fast, but uh, you you have agreed to come back for another episode in the near future, correct? Sure, sure. Okay, good, good. So just to close up, so if I ask you from Playa Blanca to Sonora Bay, was there anyone you, you did it, like uh, enjoy working with? Well, let me tell you in general what happened with the geo teams in general. The geo teams in general, I don't know if because we were a little bit of flower childs of the 70s or kind of stuff like that. But there was no jealousy. There was no competition. There was not to prove I'm better than you. That kind of thing didn't exist. On the contrary, everybody will help everybody. Our our bosses, our chiefs, the chief of the village, the chief of sports, the responsible of your activity, they were always there to teach you whatever you need to learn, whatever you need to, you know, to be good being a geo. And they ask you to do the same thing with the new geos that came into your team, right? So it was a a very good ambience, a very good stuff. Like all the families, you will have one or two, whatever things happen, but it was very mellow. It was Everybody will learn from everybody. If somebody from maintenance uh, asks you to help them, I don't know, carry a, a tube to put in somewhere, you will go and do it, right? I will go to the chief of, of maintenance and say, listen, I need the tractor to move the raft and put it in, in, in the water. He will, he will say, no problem. I send you the tractor. You know, stuff like that. It was... It was a very good ambience to say, you will have fun with, um, I will say, with uh, 90% of the team. The other 10%, you 
you usually you don't know them very well, right? Because you 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 don't mix in the different activities, especially you, you didn't mix a lot with the maintenance team, for example. But everybody else will know each other and we will help each other. For example, I will I was an old traffic guy, right? So the gestionnaire will come to me and say, I need you to make me a favor. Can you help me go to the airport? To say, yes, no problem. I go because I knew how the things work. That was the, the ambience of the thing. I will have a lot of fun, for example, with Jaaba, who was a very funny guy. Jan Viviani was, was a tough guy to work with, but he was very, very intelligent, had a lot of culture, was one of the chiefs of the village in that time that made the best shows ever in Club Med. There were two or three chefs in that time that the GMs will die to be in that village to see the shows. That was Jean Viviani? Right. He was unbe unbelievable. Shows, they were unbelievable, believe me. They, you, you can put one of the shows in, in Vegas or in Paris or I don't know. The quality of the production was unbelievable. Okay. Well, well, Pancho and, and listeners, we, we have a lot more to cover with, with Pancho, but we can't, you know, we can't reduce his career to an hour. So he's going to, he's going to come back uh, in the near, near future. And uh, he's helping us kick off this new season of my first season. So we thank you for that Pancho. So, uh, and uh, you're welcome, Greg. And, and I can't wait to get to our, our season in Columbus because I, I remember you vividly, not, not just for teaching me the duet, but, <laughs> but which I had no idea what was going to happen when you brought the head of housekeeping there too. <laughs> um, <laughs> she's going to do what in the water? Okay. Um, <laughs> awkward. Never met her. Okay. Uh, anyway, so those, those people that have done the brouette know what I'm talking about. Okay. But uh, what I remember most about you is because you haven't changed like that mentality you still had when your first season 79, you were still doing it in 96 because I still remember walking and passing you on the path and you'd always say, Hey Greg, let's do it. You know, like let's attack this day. Let's give the GMs the best day they've had. Like you were always upbeat and positive. That, that's what I remember uh, most about you. You never, you never changed. You were always smiling and you always had that, that you, you know, go, 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 go mentality, you, you know? Do do you have do you have your your bicycle in <laughs> in in Columbus? I had my bicycle. Uh, I didn't that I didn't that season, but I I, I went to Columbus three times. But in and later seasons, uh -huh. I did. Yeah, but uh, but I remember that, passing that, you a lot on the path though, like when you were going to your activity, you know. And I was right, right. Mine. But you were always smiling. You were always uh, like, what, uh, what? What were you, what were you doing in in Columbus? Well, when I met you, I was doing land sports. So I was going a lot you know, to, ah, the, yes, uh, yes, yes, yes. to the sea. We, we were with we were with Philippe with with Philippe. Uh, no, this was uh, who was it? This was Patrizia Moretti was the chief of village. Ah, right. when, when I was right. with you, the, we have the hurricane here. Yes, well, we had a few, but yeah, Hurricane Fran, Fran, I believe, uh, near the end. Yeah, that and that took every tile. My. 
every tile off uh, all the <laughs> right, roofs. Right. And uh, I remember sitting with a, a new geo in the uh, in the theater, and he's like, "Oh, who are they gonna who are they gonna call in to clean clean this place up?" I'm like, mm, "We're the ones that are gonna clean it." <laughs> the sports team, basically, the sports team was the muscle of the yes. of the team. Well, yeah, and uh, the scuba team was in the pool emptying out all the twelve tons of sand in it. Remember, like you know the because. <laughs> Sand, yes, know, yes. Sa sand was everywhere. We were just making piles of tiles, basically. <laughs> you know, like Jesus oh, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll I remember to... that. Yeah, well, yeah. So, we'll, 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 you we'll... you remember remember that picnic that we did? Okay, yeah, yeah. We're, we're yeah, we're, yeah. We're not going to talk about that. No, no, no. But 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 you remember <laughs> that picnic? Yeah, I do. Oh I do, my I do. god. Uh, okay, no, no, I don't want the listeners to get all excited. No, we're we're going to end it here, Pancho. But. <laughs> Just, just for now, just for now. And um, okay, so that was uh, Pancho, guys. You're gonna, you're gonna hear more of him. Don't worry, okay? Because uh, if you don't know Pancho, well, you will now. And for those people who worked with Pancho, you know, I hope, I hope you're all smiling now when you hear his voice. Okay, so Pancho. Okay, so we're not saying goodbye. Just like a see you later. So thank you for for coming on for this part one of your story in Club Med. Uh, thank you so much. This was a very good experience, Greg. Thank you. Oh, thank you, sir. And I look forward to part two. And uh, we will see you all next week, everyone. And uh, here's where you say goodbye to all the listeners, Pancho. Listeners, uh, GOs, GMs, whoever listened to Greg podcast, uh, be there and follow us, please. Now, can you say the same thing in Spanish? Señores, GOs, GMs, por favor, síganos, sigan a Greg en sus podcasts. Ah, thank you so much, Pancho. <laughs> we'll see you all next week. Bye. Bye.